Can you can, can you help me? I don't know. <laughs> You're literally a professional singer. Carl, do not include this. <laughs> Carl, <laughs> it's Carl. Too late, editor. Too Carl. late. Yeah, Carl's Sorry. our um, Carl's our editor. Our editor. That's right. Carl for a long time. Nice. Actually, nice. Carl. So, um, we both sang a cappella. I think you yeah. knew that in college. Um, Carl was the live audio engineer and our recording engineer for my a cappella group for before I got there for going on like 10 years and he's done it since I've left, you know, almost 10 years ago. And so he's been our live sound guy for like pushing 20 years. Wow. And now he kind of works on his own and does his own thing. And he's, uh, you know, he does kind of freelance audio editing. So he edits our podcast, which is awesome. He does almost exclusively podcasts now, which is... um. Oh, he does? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. That's what he said. Thanks, yeah. Carl. Mm-hmm. Yeah, thanks, thanks Carl. Carl. <laughs> I know, of course, you're, like, you're a professional singer. You can yes. handle a mic stand. Hi, everyone. Welcome back. This is West Side Chats, episode four. Yeah, I thought so. Four. Okay. Thanks, Corey. Welcome back. We are joined today by Maria Irabino. Am I saying yeah. I got the last name right? Cool. <laughs> yes. Okay. Thanks for joining us. Thank uh, you. Maria is one of our teachers at the studio. How long have you been teaching with us now? Almost a year. It's not really? hasn't it's been, been that year. long. I feel like it's been longer, but then also... I know. Yeah. Not long enough. Wow, not long yeah. enough. I know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, almost a year. I think it was like September, October. Oh, wow. We've loved having you here. I guess let's talk a little bit about how long have you been teaching yoga for? I want to say five years. Okay. I, I believe that that's right. Obviously, COVID has like messed up everyone's timeline because I was doing like full-time Zoom teaching mm. during lockdown. <laughs> mm-hmm. 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 <laughs> I never want yes. to teach a Zoom class again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <I know>. Yes. <laughs> oh, I hate that word. Yeah. So yeah, that felt not like I it was really teaching, mm-hmm. but um, it of course was. So... Yeah, in studio, three years, um, but it was Zoom for like almost two years, which is crazy. Got yeah. It. But yeah, I started teaching like right out of my training. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I was doing like classes in my apartment and stuff with my friends. So yeah, like five years. Yeah. COVID was weird for yoga teachers. Everyone. Yeah, you can teach a fitness class on Zoom, but yoga is really tough because tough. you need to read the energy and it's mm-hmm. very difficult to create a class. Yeah. When It's a good challenge, though. It's a, yeah, but it's not a challenge that I love, to be honest. I love other challenges. (laughs) Um, challenges. But aside from yoga, can you just share a little bit about yourself in general? So, well, the reason that I'm here is because I'm a musician, just like you guys, (laughs) talking about the heart chakra. I know when we met and you were like, can you tell me about yourself? That was like the first thing that I said. So that's like really first and foremost about me is like music and singing and writing music. I have been doing that pretty much my whole life. And I will do it till the day I die. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, there are other things that I enjoy, but music. I, I like to read books, too. You know, my pastime. Yeah. I am off social media. I have a Facebook page, but that's another thing about me that I feel like is, like, you know, <laughs> I, important I like how to we mention. had a little, like, <laughs> soundtrack for you. I'm off social media. <laughs> off social media. Yeah, okay. I know. I feel like it's... um. And something about me, it's something worth mentioning because social media like really has a lot to play in 
everyone and society and how we interact with each other um, and like our experience. And I mean, to even talk about the heart chakra, like that's something that I feel was affecting me just with like trust and I like how you wrote it up there, feeling connection to yourself and like others. So I got off of it and now I just have a Facebook page with my family. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. And you feel better. I do. I do. I think everyone should just get off of social media, to be honest, which I, I know that it's not realistic for a lot of people. But So I absolutely love that. I'm going to put a quick pin in that because there's a lot we can get into mm -hmm. with that. I have some thoughts on that very recently, like yeah. as of a couple days ago that I can share. Oh, yeah. I kind of did the same thing. But I want to make sure Corey has a chance to introduce properly heart chakra. I've been saying this for the first couple episodes. I probably won't do so in the future, but I think it's helpful. We use the chakras kind of as a theme and a backdrop for each episode. We look for opportunities to explore the topics that we talk about with our guests deeper through the perspective of the chakra. It's not always the main focus. We'll probably have a lot of talk about Maria's musical past and a lot of that, and it won't be focused on the chakra. But where we have the opportunity to do so in these episodes, we want to give some insight, provide some thought starters that everyone can use at home or talk about with your friends. With that, Corey is going to introduce heart chakra. Heart chakra, we're starting to make our way up into the upper chakras. So the past three episodes, we've worked and talked about our lower chakras, right? It's a foundation for everything as we go up the body. As we go up the body, we get a little bit more conceptual discussions about things that are not really tangible in our life, but the heart chakra, I think, really is. So the heart chakra, or anahata, is our fourth chakra. It's located right at our sternum. You might see that in class when we bring our hands together at heart center. That's our Anjali mudra. That's the hand position for our heart chakra. Your thumbs might tap your sternum. You might hear that cue in class. So that's the location there. And when we think about a balanced heart chakra, you can think about that just in your life. That's feeling your ability to connect with yourself first and foremost. I think we often think about connecting with others, which is important. But first, we have to be able to find that connection with ourselves, feel comfortable with ourselves, trust ourselves. And then once you feel that, you can then extend that to others, building community and togetherness there. And then also when we want to think about maybe what a heart chakra looks like when it's um, unbalanced. That might be feelings of loneliness, this feeling where you can't connect to people. Maybe you're having trouble showing empathy towards others. You might be having trouble forgiving yourself, moving past things. You might feel really stuck there. And I think a really good visual cue of a blocked heart chakra would be someone who's maybe arms crossed a lot, feeling really hunched over, not feeling comfortable, expanding yourself up and open and instead kind of protecting your space. When we start to fold our arms and cross down into ourselves, it's really that we're just trying to self-protect instead of feeling like, oh, actually I can open up and I can receive and give. Instead, you might just be trying to lock yourself down and protect what little energy you have left in that area. So that's why you often see a lot, I think, um, heart shoulder opening classes, similar to what you talked about with Rachel about sacral chakra. The hips are a big one and the shoulders are a big one. These are two of our biggest like emotional centers in the body. So you will see a lot of 
physical movement to help open that area. But we can get into some of that now. One of the things that I found interesting doing some research and preparing for this was that the color for the heart chakra is green. Mm -hmm. I think by default, right, most people think it's, you know, would be red, right? I mean, I literally in my head when I went to go look for it, I was like, okay, I was expecting it to be red. I was surprised when it was green. I just thought that was interesting. And I've been trying yeah, to think about... Yeah, I mean, it's about... probably just because whoever drew the first heart in, I don't know, where, like, the heart that was red <laughs> came from. It's probably because blood is red, maybe. Mm-hmm. And then... Yeah. But the heart that you draw isn't, like, an anatomically correct that's, heart. That's, so that's, I don't, no, I that's don't a, really that's know. This is a very interesting question. Does anyone know where the, like, typical heart shape yeah. came from? Someone Google that for we'll me sa- We'll save that for another time. <laughs> Who drew the um, first heart? Who drew the Who, first probably heart? Probably Shakespeare, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> My recent obsession has been houseplants, as, as Corey knows. Mm. Um, it's really unfortunate. I'm the most horrendous ADHD victim in the world. Manifests as hyperfixations. And there's quite a few houseplants in the house now. I've been really enjoying it. And houseplants tend to be green um, with a few exceptions. And I thought about that and it was right around the time that I was doing this prep for this episode. And, you know, reading about open heart chakra is, you know, allowing you to feel connection to others. It allows you to feel empathy. And then seeing that plants that have this, you know, specific growth pattern that kind of requires multiple things to be in the right place, connections to be made. And plants in nature are green, right? You look out of a forest, everything's green. It's rare not mm. to see that. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I just mm. thought that was interesting. I think it's really interesting. Yeah. There's a couple of things. Because of Joe's, Joe's my husband, if you don't know. So we do live <laughs> together. And Thanks. I think that Joe's recent obsession with the plants, one, I love it because who doesn't love like a house full of plants? It mm-hmm. looks beautiful. He's actually trying to grow them the right way and like with grow lights. And he, what he's really doing, which is what I'm trying to get to, is that he's nurturing the plants. Mm-hmm. And a bit of the heart shocker, right, is being able to nurture yourself, mm-hmm. nurture those around you. So I think by nurturing your plants, you're actually doing this service to yourself where you're, you are nurturing yourself in a way. Mm-hmm. And then with plants, I think it's an interesting tie-in because if you think about a plant leaf, when it's thriving, it's open Mm-hmm. It's beautiful. Mm. It's ready to accept the light. And I'm no plant expert, but when it starts to not feel good, it curls into itself yeah. or it droops. Mm-hmm. And you can relate that back to the physical body. When we're feeling good and open and connected, we're open. We're walking. Shoulders are back. Heart is forward. When we are feeling like shit, we are mm-hmm. whew, yeah. closed in. It's a mm-hmm. really interesting connection to the plant, actually. It's an interesting connection, and I think it's just about nurturing. No, yeah. I don't know. It's so in, it's I, interesting. I, I, nurturing I think, properly too. Yeah, nurturing properly because yeah. yes. there's the overwater, the underwater. Yeah, of course. Yeah, you know, like if you're overbearing or underbearing, mm-hmm. that's even a word. Yeah, it is. Just <laughs> <laughs> make sure that affects like connection. Yes, and you know that also reflects yeah. you know heart and heart space. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, you can be totally over connected right it's kind of like the new thing where it's like it's okay to say no sometimes Mm -hmm. when you like need some time like to protect Mm -hmm. your own energy because you've been like giving and giving and giving and opening and being vulnerable and then you take a check and you're like hold on I need to take a moment Mm -hmm. for myself right and I think yeah we can overwater those plants and they're gonna be like stop Please. Yeah, like you can destroy something by over loving, over watering. Yeah. So so let's not make this whole podcast about (laughs) (laughs) So but I I think And photosynthesis. (laughs) 
<laughs> okay, whoa. <laughs> I think we're kind of onto something because we're saying, you know, why is the heart chakra green, right? It seems like we're kind of coming up with the answer. Yeah. Or it, it seems like maybe following that line of logic, it should be green. There's no reason that it ever should have been red. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. Yeah. It is. So maybe the heart color should be green at its origin and not red. Yeah, let's stop using red hearts on Valentine's stop. Day and switch it up to green. It's green now, everyone. Stop <laughs> giving people flowers that are going to die. Give them a plant. Yeah. Give them a house plant. Give them a cactus. In a little pot. Give them a cactus. You know, fuck Valentine's Day. <laughs> okay, well, let's not go there. All right. Okay, you know my opinions on ha- you know my opinions on Hallmark holidays, but we'll we'll <laughs> we'll switch a little bit. I do think that is kind of an interesting point that we came up with, right? Because there's Corey, what you said about me nurturing, right, mm-hmm. and and finding that kind of value in the activity. You're absolutely right. It is totally selfish and subliminally, it is that. I think there's good reasons for why that is. We can maybe talk about that. Yeah. We, you know, kind of get into, you know, what in balance and out of balance looks like. Uh, I want to talk about vulnerability because yeah, I think it. it connects to all the things that we're saying. And then we can kind of dive into some ways that we can express. And music is one of them, which is why I wanted Maria on this episode. Yeah. Because when you feel like you want to connect with others, we're feeling open, you have to be vulnerable. Maybe Mm -hmm. you have to let some guards down. You have to share and be willing to talk about your feelings with others, talk about what's going on in your life. And I think a big way that we do this is by listening to music or sharing music with others. All three of us are performers. So I think it'd be interesting to have us go around and talk about like how we found music in our life and Mm -hmm. and what type (laughs) of music we all are drawn to and also what it does because all three of us have uh, very different styles Mm -hmm. and ways that we express through music. So Maria, why don't we start with you? So when I was a kid, I loved musicals because they were just so fun. You did? Yes. (gasps) (laughs) Musical theater child. (laughs) All of us were. That makes a lot of sense. (laughs) going. (laughs) Just like it's the same thing as like, um, what channel did you watch as a kid? Like yes. Nickelodeon or Disney Channel? Yes. <laughs> like I was a musical theater child. Yeah. And a Disney Channel kid too. Same. Okay. Excellent. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get to that later. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, to relate it to the heart chakra, like it definitely reflects my emotional capacity at the time as a child. Very free and open and some ways a little bit oblivious. And like, I always say like, oh, this person's living in like candy land. You know, people who mm-hmm. are just so like head in the clouds, but, you know, in a good way, mm-hmm. like a innocent way. And then when I started to get older and my emotions started to develop, I really connected to like love songs, you know, acoustic music, very um, vulnerable, you know, all the the love letters in music. And as time had progressed for me with like learning instruments and I learned piano and guitar and I started to experience life more. And, you know, you have those hits in life that, you know, knock you down and you have to get back up and you learn how to express yourself again. But the silver lining for me has always been the deep emotional, in a way theatrical as well. I don't know how much of my music you guys have listened to, but I definitely still have that balance of like the fun, happy-go-lucky sounding music and then like the really deep, 
and um, I guess theatrical would just be the best word to kind of blanket all of that. I feel like the music of yours that I've listened to is exactly that. It is fun and playful, but your words are meaningful. Yeah. Yeah. So I think you've accomplished exactly yeah. what you what you're saying. <laughs> I was yeah. gonna make a I was gonna say blues traveler meets evanescence and make a, a really horrendous <laughs> joke, but you know, there you go. Um, I love that actually. Yeah. I might put that in Did my you bio. Teach yourself to play because your family was musical, right? Yes. My mother is a jazz singer and she was big band throughout like her 20s and 30s. And then she raised my brother and I, and she was still doing music. And now she's a music teacher for kids. And she actually does like music therapy for Alzheimer's patients in nursing homes. Yeah. So she does like old like war songs and other, you know, love songs for, you know, whatever they request. Yeah. A very beautiful way to like you know, come together as a musician, like yeah, in your life. That's really beautiful. I love when I see instances like that of using music to connect with people that have illnesses like Alzheimer's. Like I, I think I remember seeing this one woman who sat down at the piano and remembered that she could play and just started. Mm-hmm. I think you know exactly what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. It's she sits down and just plays this gorgeous sonata. Yeah, And everyone's blown away because her body, the memories of being able to play just came out the second she sat down. And I think it's such a beautiful way to help these people reconnect with themselves, right? And and then your mom is able to connect with others too at such like a deep level. Oh my gosh, yeah. I mean, it's it has to be just such a heavy job to have, you know, and she tells me stories and it just... um, you know, it really gets you. It, it opens your heart. It really yeah, does. It really you know, does. you feel it. Yeah, and that, and we can feel it because we feel empathy. And when you're open, yes. and you can feel that with others, and that's a huge part. Mm-hmm. It's the giving and the receiving. Yeah, you know, of course. There's instances of um, actually a friend of ours from college, Corey, did a major that was specifically focused on international music and dance, and his intention in doing that was his long-term goal is to help veterans with PTSD and help treat that through music and dance. So shout out to Paul if you're out there. Any instance like that where, and there's so many that music mm-hmm. can heal, can treat, can put you in a different you know, mindset. There's very, very recent literature that we can include in the description for this episode showing that, you know, if you listen to Andrew Huberman at all things like theta waves, which is basically just sound at the end of the day, it's just vibrations, can literally kind of change your mental state to be more focused, be more relaxed, whatever it is that you're trying to heal. So music is so important and we just don't, we we sometimes kind of lose sight of that. It's one of the few things that I think I've said this before on the podcast, right? You go back, I think I said it with Rachel, you go back thousands and thousands and thousands of years, right? To more primitive society, you know, no technology like we have today, anything like that. What did they have? They had Mm -hmm. art, they had music, they had all these different forms of creative expression, right? And it's it's just something that I think we lose sight of the importance of it. Similarly to physical art, music is art. You guys talked about that with the sacral chakra. Mm -hmm. It's also a way to connect with those that you can't necessarily speak with, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And 
Absolutely. You know, if you speak different languages or even if you're hard of hearing, you know, you can feel the rhythm, Mm -hmm. you can feel the vibration. Like there's ways to connect through music. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think it's easier sometimes to connect through music. If like you think about when I was in high school, I would make mixtapes for my boyfriend or mix CDs, (laughs) not mixtapes. I'm not that old. Mix CDs for my boyfriend (laughs) or my friends, right? You know, they'd, oh, here's like a great driving mix number one. Like in my old car, I had like five to 10 CDs that my friends had made, right? And that's just, it's that connection. Mm -hmm. Like, wow, listen to these songs. They made me think of you. I thought it would be so fun when you're driving. Mm -hmm. My high school girlfriend also made me. Yeah, it's a great great way to connect with people. Like, you know, the (coughs) mixtape started before social media, right? It was like the, instead of a post that says, oh, we've been together two years. I love you. It was like, oh, let me make you this mixtape. We've been together for two years. But I digress. I want to get back. So your mom is a musician. And then yes. was your dad a musician as well? Um, my dad, he was like a disciplined musician. Like his okay. parents put him in like piano and stuff to kind of show him, you know, that discipline. But he is an engineer. And when I was in high school, he started to build this like studio in my basement because he wanted to be involved. And so that's how I started to learn how to record my own music. Oh, that's so cool. And then he gave me like a bunch of stuff. And now I have like all this equipment in my house, which I don't love doing everything by myself. Like I told you guys before we started recording that I went to the studio last week because I'm like, yeah. I'm so done trying to set everything up and then play. And then you're writing all the music. Like it just kind of takes you out of that. But yeah, very musical house. My brother is a drummer as well. Um, And he was in bands. I was in bands. Like, just, it was always around, you know, aunts and uncles as well. So, Did you teach yourself how to play or did you learn? No, I had lessons. So when I was seven or eight, I had piano lessons. And I got paid by my parents a quarter every half hour to sit down. No. (laughs) Or maybe it was like every 25 minutes. No. (laughs) To practice? It's fine. It's fine. To practice? Oh, my God. No, I understand. Forcing to practice was... I'll tell you about my mm-hmm. practicing. Oh my later. gosh. I remember like one time my friend like called the house and was like, Can Maria come play? And I heard my dad be like, She's playing piano right now. She can't come out to You're play. Like, no. And I'm playing like for Elise. And yes. I'm like, eh, I don't want to do this. <laughs> <laughs> like, tears in my eyes. He like oh, drops man. another quarter. He's like, Keep going. Oh, that's oh my goodness. Oh my gosh. I so love that. Funny. Okay. So you've been musical yes, forever. Yeah, yeah. Just my whole life, you know. Just part awesome. of me. Sorry, did you say, so you play piano? Yes. Did you say what else you played? Guitar. guitar. And then I think by default, that would mean I play bass because I do play the bass on my music. Yes. It was funny because um, I was with my dad and he was introducing me to some of his friends that live in his building. And he was like, she plays so many instruments. And he's like, how many do you play? And I was like, well, technically, <laughs> right. I play two. But by default, it's like, you know, because he bought me like a mandolin for Christmas one year. Mm-hmm. And I think the, you know, those kind of string instruments, they all go in the same pot. Yes. (laughs) You know. Oh, man. There's so. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, Joe, let's switch to you because um, and then I'll go. So you kind of found music a little bit later. It wasn't like an early childhood like Maria. You didn't have a musical family per se. No professional musicians yet. That's for sure. I would say there's a lot of natural musical ability both my parents my dad plays the trumpet my mom plays the flute i'm trying to think if she plays anything else i don't think so but they're both actually very 
skilled at their instruments. They didn't study them in college. They didn't do them professionally. I know plenty of people. Corey and I both went to University of Rochester. If anyone knows anything about Rochester, you might know about the Eastman School of Music right down the street. So Corey and I went to school with many people who are just musicians of the highest caliber mm. in, you know, conservatory programs. My parents were not that, but my mom's a great flautist. She's she's awesome. My dad's a I can't remember the last time I heard my dad play trumpet. I remember him being pretty good, at least when I was a kid. You know, I think in a lot of families, it's encouraged, right, as something that you need to do or you should do. Mm -hmm. Like, okay, you should learn to play an instrument, right? And there's different degrees of intensity in different families, right? I think it was encouraged as a part of a well-rounded program <laughs> for me, right? Play a sport, learn an instrument, right? Mm -hmm. Just kind of get a little mm -hmm. picture together. So I started to learn trumpet when I was in elementary school, in elementary school band, I think maybe fifth grade, something like that. I started to learn trumpet and that was my first instrument. So I learned treble clef. I never learned bass clef, which I've always kept in the back of my head. I was like, I just don't know how to do it. But Maria, it's actually funny that you talked about, you know, well, if you can play this, you can play that. Mm -hmm. That's kind of been the story of my instrument career. <laughs> yeah. So I started playing trumpet in fifth grade when I was in like seventh or eighth grade, they needed someone to play a baritone. And it's like not like a baritone sax, not like a baritone. It's like a baritone. It's kind of like a small tuba. If anyone knows what it is, the fingerings and the music that you read for baritone are all in treble clef. So you don't have to read bass clef, mm. but it's a lot lower. And so they were like, well, Joe, do you want to like play this it's basically the same thing and i was like yeah sure it should just it's, it's all the same exactly. right and it was and it was awesome and i was like oh cool i can i can like play that too i didn't really have to learn anything else i then wanted to learn to play guitar so that was like fifth grade i remember when i was 12 my mom just kind of had a guitar lying around the house she always had it she always had a music book but she never really learned how to play it and i I don't know, it always annoyed me as a kid. I was like, okay, well, I want to learn how to do it. So I picked it up and I literally taught myself to play guitar out of a music book that my mom had lying around. I continued kind of playing guitar. In high school, I ended up doing a musical called The Buddy Holly Story um, oh, wow. with a community theater program outside of high school. This is getting somewhere, I promise. <laughs> I auditioned for Buddy Holly. And if anyone knows Buddy Holly, guitar player, right? Well, that'll be the day, that guy who plays guitar. And I was like, okay, that's perfect. They wanted me to play his bassist, whose last name I can't remember, but whose first name was Joe. Um, and <laughs> whose name is Joe is an alcoholic, haha, <laughs> and plays the upright bass. And they were like, can you learn to play the upright bass? And I was like, what are the string notes? They were like, E-A-D-G. Mm -hmm. I was like, okay, can I like tape this thing up so I have kind of like frets? They were like, sure. I was like, okay, fuck yeah, I can learn how to yeah. play that. Learned how to play it, you know, doom, 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 yeah. like, played it. <laughs> that was pretty the, good. That was really good. I mean, actually. I learned. A, I, I know. I was you are playing. an acapella singer. I mean, look, I, <laughs> I've, seen, I've seen the pictures. This is yeah. real. Mm -hmm. You wore a silver suit. I wore a... Wow, nice. <laughs> I was also 17. Yeah. I wore a silver suit. Joe was like um, buzz cut, no beard, you guys. You wouldn't wow. even recognize no, him. No, 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 no. But the, no, at this point in high school, no, my hair was kind of long because I had it slicked back. Oh, I was, it was, it was pardon me. Buddy Maybe Holly. we'll include a picture. A lot of stuff going see in the description can, of this one. Yeah, we'll see if we can find it. But no, I, I learned to play the upright bass. And I mean, I would do like tricks with it. Like I would spin it on its stand, which you were totally not supposed to do, but oh it was gosh. a rented instrument. That's and so it's funny. a musical. I was spinning it. And then at the very end, 
the show always closed like with an encore to do Johnny B. Good, where all the characters mm. from the musical come back out and everyone sings it at once. And it's so awesome. And I come back out, I end up switching to play electric bass at some point and then come back out with the stand-up bass and it's Johnny B. Good to end it. Well, that's Johnny B. Good. And I would balance the bass. We're going to stop talking about this in a second. This is boring as fuck. I would balance the bass. Like, so it had a stand, it had a stand that came out of the bottom, right? And it was adjustable. I would balance it on the stand and start to lean it on its side until it touched the floor. Then I would put one foot up on top of it, like in that essentially a footstep that was there and then put my other foot in the cutout in the middle and I would stand on top of it and do the claps. Oh, wow. At the end of Johnny Be Good. It was awesome. Look at you go. (laughs) We're still only in seventh grade. We are only in seventh grade. Can we fast forward? We can fast forward. Um, Sure. I then learned how to sing in high school and then sang acapella in college and that's... Can you give us a sample of um, Joe is the Beast and Beauty and the Beast? (gasps) Oh, really? Yes, that's so cute. I love that. I've given you two vocal samples thus far. I think it's Corey's turn. All right. So I have been a musician my whole life as well, similar to Maria. So my grandfather was an amazing musician. He played the piano and he played the accordion and the mandolin. Mm. My mom loves music so much, like in her soul. Absolutely loves it. She can't play an instrument and that's fine. (laughs) But man, does she love music? She loves jazz. She went to the jazz fest in New Orleans. I mean, she loves music. So shout out mom. Thank you for putting music in her home all the time. Hi, Roro. (laughs) She'd be mad if I didn't say hi. Yes. And my dad also can sing too. So um, that's true. Walter sang at our wedding. He is infamous (gasps) in his family. Uh, it's not that cute. Blue, don't worry. No, blue, it's more. Blue, ki- it's more. Shoes. It's more kind of insane. He's infamous for going to people's weddings and going up to the band and convincing them. No, no, to that's let not him... how it goes. The okay, family well, pressures him into going to ask the band, oh, and the band okay. always says yes. So he always he always ends up singing "Blue Suede Shoes," and he always he does "Johnny, Johnny Be Good" too. Good. That's right. Wow. I forgot that. And he. Crushes. Talk about connection. Wow. My dad is so, someone oh my God. who thrives in storytelling, in sharing oh, yeah. just what's been going on, what happened in his life. He is a storyteller through and through. And when he gets up there and performs, he sucks you right in. Wow. And you feel it. And you want an encore. That's amazing. And that's what music is supposed to do, right? Yeah. It's supposed to make you feel good mm-hmm. or something. Yeah. And make you feel connected to everyone around you. My dad totally does that when he performs. Also, our wedding was full of acapella singers. My acapella group, it's an all-male group, sang, we did a three-song set. Mm-hmm. And we had, what, 20, 30 people? Yeah, something like, like that. that. Wow. Yeah, and you sure. had people from your group that mm-hmm. were there. And then there were friends of ours that were just in other acapella groups that were also there. Yep. And so Corey's dad getting up and just absolutely killing in front of all these extremely talented singers. It That's was awesome. honestly incredible. And I remember Johnny B. Good. Um, yeah, me too. Sticking out in my head from your dad. Me He's too. He's so good. So... Anyways, and at so, a wedding with a, a ultimate expression of connection, love right? And connection, yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, so music had always been in my life. I started playing the piano really 
early at a young age. I started with the Suzuki method. So at first I wasn't reading music, which Mm. has been difficult for me. I love the idea of the Suzuki method, which is like very just like free learning to listen. Mm -hmm. But if I had learned music earlier, I think it would have helped me in my like later Mm -hmm. part of my life. But started with piano. At one point I tried to play violin, but I remember... I don't know why, but I ran out of the teacher's house. Never played again. I'm pretty sure that's what happened. I then also started playing the clarinet in fourth grade. I got really good at the clarinet. By high school, I was in the All New England Band, first chair clarinet. Mm -hmm. And I got a scholarship at Rochester for my clarinet playing. Never played again. And then I started singing when I was a little bit older. I I was very shy when I was a kid. Mm -hmm. I really was closed off. I don't really know... Why? Because I'm not like that now, but I really was. I think it might be because my sister was so outgoing Mm. and so over the top, almost like too much. We Mm. needed her to like pull it back a little bit. And so (laughs) I was kind of just more reserved, I think, in the background. But Mm -hmm. I started singing when I was maybe like 10 and I sang, I'm a trained choral singer. So that's really (laughs) where I am. And I sing in a- I am not. And I sing in a semi-professional group on and off now, um, which I love. The thing that I love about music is is the connection with those when you're singing in a group too. So I sang mm-hmm. um, in a female acapella group in college and that's how Joe and I met. We connected through music and a lot of our best friends we've made through music. I mean, singing and creating music with other people is like the best feeling, I feel like. And um, it's similar to when we're like in a in a room and you're moving with others. It's just any aspect where you're doing something as a group yeah. just feels really good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It does. It's interesting. I didn't I didn't expect us to to make this much of a connection between the heart chakra and music, but I guess it, it, it kind of makes sense when you think about it. Oh yeah. Um one of the things that we have not done independently as musicians is release music. Mm. Um mm. you know, we both have been featured singers as part of our a cappella groups on recorded tracks. Corey has a uh, it's the Jonas Brothers song, right? No, no. It's Which actually one. Okay, well, there's a YouTube video of me singing Burning Up, but that's yes. one. No. Yes. Number two, yes. uh, the album that I'm on where I do have a solo, I'm more of a background singer, you, you need guys. To show. Is, um, <laughs> it's, um, we will share. Do not worry. We'll Maroon take Five. A, yeah. I need that. It's Maroon Five, and oh, it's that's right. uh, Give a Little More. I, that was my one, right. my okay. one solo on the nice. album. So Corey's been a featured singer. I have a couple songs that I've been the soloist on, have been on albums before, but not individually. Mm-hmm. Um, but Maria has. Yes, um, I have. I I do. I'm an audio engineer by training. Mm-hmm. You know, Corey's okay. obviously been in a studio and has done recordings. You have a great story about Noah um, that you might be able to share oh. about, you know, <laughs> really going for it yeah. and, and getting a good recording, getting a good take. Maria, with your recording background right mm-hmm. the the music that you've created and recorded at what points in that journey have you noticed that you've been less successful or expressive or as productive as you wanted to be because of something else maybe something else going on in mm-hmm. your life when have you noticed that you've kind of hit road bumps in that process or good points where you felt really, you know, kind of on the other end, right? Where you felt really expressive and everything's clicking and everything feels good, right? Because being a songwriter, it's Mm -hmm. one of the skills that I've never had as a musician. I have a a lot of skills as a musician. I have great relative pitch. There's a lot of things that I'm really good at. I'm not a songwriter. It's not, it's not my thing. Either Mm -hmm. writing lyrics or actually writing straight up music. It, it is just not a skill that I have. Yeah. Um, 
So I would love to hear your thoughts on that and how, you know, maybe how that ability has changed in your life. Yeah. I mean, I think for the first time in my life experienced what burnout is Mm. like real burnout. Like I don't want this. I want to get rid of everything and just like exist and like Mm -hmm. not have this be a part of my life. Cause Mm -hmm. I think it takes so much out of me, you know, writing music and releasing it at first was so fun. And I would like write anything. I would write all my feelings and I would release it. And it was the response that I would get from people that I know personally, like they'd be like, are you okay? Like, are you, are you good? And I'm like, yeah, like I'm, I'm just writing this music and, you know, they were being genuine. Like I'm not, you know, placing blame anywhere, but for me processing that made me feel like I had to write other music. And then also I moved to Boston because I really wanted to go to Berkeley, but it just didn't end up happening. Um, I got in, but I didn't end up going. Um, And so instead I moved to Boston. I'm like, I'm just going to be around all the musicians. And I did. I got a job near Berkeley at a coffee shop and like was hanging out with all these musicians. And um, they were all so like well-versed and like at the time, especially too, was talented, you know, and talent is something you can't deny, but, you know, confidence and like the willingness to express without, you know, that like imposter syndrome um, is very real. And so I would like jam with them. You know, I would yeah. have my guitar and my microphone. And I just remember like they were all playing so much louder. And like it was like I felt mm. like I was getting washed out. Um, and again, like no blame, but this was just my experience. And the way that I internalized that was I need to get better. Mm. And so I like locked myself in my room and like taught myself how to play scales and like how to like riff on the guitar Mm -hmm. and how to like scat and like really be able to honestly just show off so I could make myself feel better. And that was the start of like the burnout for me was doing it to prove something rather Mm -hmm. than doing it because I just love it and Mm -hmm. whatever is coming natural to me. And that was like five years ago. And so I was in a band and we went on this tour and the music that I had written was warped to their styles as well. Mm. People described us as if Nora Jones was pop punk. Mm. (laughs) Like (laughs) it's true too. And the music is good and it is what it is. However, it was never what I wanted. Mm -hmm. And then I started the Laura Laura, which is on Spotify now. And even then I was still like purging this part of me that I had internalized um, with my first album. And then I did my EP when I was uh, in lockdown. And um, I still felt like I'd add all these layers, which the music, again, it is what it is. Like, you know, that's still like your baby. You're Mm -hmm. so proud of it. You have that experience. But after that, I had released music that I had worked on previous, like prior And then there was just this like pause and it was just like silence. And like I was writing, but I was writing really badly. Mm. And not even in the sense where it's not good or enjoyable because every song is for someone, whether it's one person or millions of people. But I was trying to find my way back home to myself, you know, with how to express. And um, I do feel 
like I've made my way back home now, yeah. you know, and I had gone to the studio last week and recorded, but yeah, I know your question was like, when did I feel like not as like successful and productive? Like it, it wasn't like an exact moment, but it was a period of time. Yeah. You know, it's like you're like swimming through this like sludge of like, I just don't even know what I'm doing and why I'm doing it and releasing things for other people to enjoy rather than this comes from the heart, <laughs> you know? Yeah. yeah. And I think it's like a beautiful story. Like, thank you for sharing that. Thank you for being vulnerable and sharing that. Of course. Because I think it's really hard to do that. And for me, it's like when you were sharing the story, it's like, oh, well, your confidence and that trust that you had in yourself, right? That, yes. that personal power that you had, which is our solar plexus, kind of got knocked. Yes. And I think we can all relate to moments like that. Mm -hmm. And then you started to pivot and change from who you, from your true feelings mm -hmm. and true self. Mm -hmm. And it's amazing that you've been able to, like you said, like kind of swim your way back to like yeah. find yourself. And I feel like there are so many moments of that where you get knocked one time or over a period of time. And at w some point you recognize that you're just not doing what's true to you anymore. Mm -hmm. And it's that connection back to yourself and that journey back to yourself, mm -hmm. journey to the heart. For those of you mm. at the studio <laughs> yes. who know my favorite book, shout out to one of my very, very dear best friends, Catherine Flashner, a.k.a. Flash. She introduced me to this book called Journey to the Heart. If you come to my class, I usually read a meditation from it. It has 365 meditations. When I was with her in San Francisco, she's a yoga teacher as well. At her studio, they read the book. And I said, wow, this is like the most, I just loved the meditation that was read that day. And when I got on the plane, I opened my bag at security and she had slipped her copy of it into mm. my bag and Aww. wrote a note to me. She was like really special. Flash is quite literally a beam of light. <laughs> yeah, she is a beam of light. And that was so special. But everything that's in this book is about getting back to yourself and mm -hmm. the journey back to your heart. Because mm -hmm. that is, yes, your solar plexus is your physical center of energy, of power. We talk about that. But your heart is where again, like getting up to the top chakras, we're going to get to throat next, but it comes from the heart, what you say, what you sing, mm -hmm. what you write. Mm -hmm. We all, I think, take journeys maybe around our heart and then eventually we hope that we can find our way back. Yeah. Yeah. It seems like you're hopefully finding your way back. Yeah. Um, and the way that you express that is through your writing and yeah. your music. I have like hundreds of songs that I haven't recorded or released. So it's always been there. It was just about getting it out there and making that what people see. And that's the difference. And it's the social media thing. Like, I do think that it goes hand in hand mm -hmm. with um, the feeling of putting out music. Because, like I said at the beginning, when people were like, oh, like, are you okay? I wrote this song about a moment where I had felt something. And it had been this huge statement like oh this is how she is all the time mm. and it's like these little small moments that we express through art and through um, music it becomes this big statement and like it's a literal like staple of who you are mm. to some people and that's overwhelming yeah like, it think, became very overwhelming for me of course and I feel like the practice that you're probably working on now is not letting that get to you of course in a yeah. way so that you can stay true to yeah what and you I, I share 
Of course. I still see it day to day. Like when people tell me, like I, I work at a restaurant and um, everyone in the kitchen was listening to my music when I got to work one day. And they're like, we've been listening to your music all day. And I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> like, I'm like, I have to quit. Yep. Because it... I get mortified when yeah. people hear the tracks that I sang on, which are not my songs that I did not pay to record that I did not release <laughs> yeah. independently. And I'm like, <gasps> yeah. Like and Corey I'm said, she, like Corey said, she played a, a, a song for Sharina and then Sharina texts me and is like, Oh my God. Blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, <laughs> I was mortified. Yeah. Mortified. Yeah, And yeah. you're not spilling like your heart out into these songs. Negative. Nope. Mm -hmm. Well, you are in a way because you're still connecting to the lyrics that you're singing I'm, and I'm performing. Mm -hmm. But you see what I'm saying though? I'm like, I can't imagine like it's, walking into oh the God. place that you work <laughs> yeah. and they just like got your shit on repeat. Yeah, and it's one of the songs where I'm like ripping it on the vocals too. And I I'm bet. just like, oh my God. And I'm so proud of it. It's it's something that unless you're experiencing it, like people are like, well, why? Like it's so good. I'm like, I understand that and I know that. But it's yeah. vulnerable. Like this is a big part of who I am. Mm -hmm. Even with like, oh, like, what you record the other day? Can I hear it? Can you play it for me right now? And I'm like, oh, but like it's, I just recorded it. Like yeah. it's not even mixed or anything mm -hmm. yet. And even that, it's a big deal to me. It's yeah. not that I would never do it or show people this side of me, but I'm very sensitive yeah. to it now, especially at this point in my life. I don't know, maybe someday I'll not care as much, but it's so close to who I am mm -hmm. and it is letting you into my world and that's yeah. it's vulnerability like that yeah. is something that that's people it. take advantage of mm -hmm. you know like if you listen to my music and you listen to my lyrics like you will understand 100% who I am yeah. like not the you know day-to-day -day person like who I am by myself when no one's around what's going on in my head yeah and that's a big deal because that's not something that you share with everyone every day you know, like, hi, my name's Maria and this is my life story, you know? I know. <laughs> like, this is what I think of life and the world and this is all my pain and, you know, things that I've gone through. You don't do that. So when someone listens to your music, it's like cutting right to the point, yep. you know? And that's a big yeah. deal. It's so personal. Mm -hmm. I think back to like when I started to learn to play guitar. I was like 12 and... At the time in my life, I was a military brat, was moving around a lot, really insecure, having to move around a lot, didn't really keep friends from one place to the next super well. It's just kind of one of those things. And this is in the early 2000s. I didn't have a cell phone, right? Didn't, you know, it wasn't really a consideration. And so I would learn to play guitar and I just, I absolutely loved it. And I found just so much private joy in doing that. I had these bands that I liked. I had specific guitarists I liked to listen to. I wanted to be like them and get better. And I just loved it so much. And then at some point, it kind of turned into more of an ego exercise. Mm -hmm. And something you said at the beginning kind of made me think of that, right? It, yeah. it, for me, at least, it was an ego exercise in the sense that you know I realized, okay, I'm actually pretty good. Then I wanted to show off, right? Then I wanted to get better. That's what you said. It was like you were jamming with yeah. people and you wanted to show off. When I was in high school, so a couple of years after I had started playing, you know, there was like time during the day for just kind of open clubs and activities. You could pick different ones. You'd go to whatever club or activity you were doing. And there was a guitar club. Our music teacher, who was a guitar player, I can't remember his name, 
and a couple other just, you know, random kids in the high school who knew how to play guitar would just go and jam. And, you know, I wanted to get better so that I could kind of, you know, show off. So it, it really did kind of become this ego exercise. You know, and to some degree, singing was kind of the same thing. Mm -hmm. And, you know, now that I'm a couple years removed from performing in both those respects and with the things that are going on in my life right now, like I've, you know, parents are getting divorced. There's, there's, mm -hmm. a, you know, a bunch of shit going on. I mean, ask Corey, when's the last time I picked up a guitar? It's right. real. I mean, yeah. When's the last time I actually sang? Right. It's like, yeah. it, it's, I've killed many versions of my ego yeah. since leaving college, mm -hmm. which I would argue was kind of the pinnacle of my music career. I was a very good you know, soloist and singer. And I really thrived off of that. And I knew what I was doing. So mm -hmm. I took a lot of, a lot of my identity was wrapped up in that. A lot of my pride mm -hmm. was wrapped up in that. And so being a couple years removed, right? It, it's just kind of one of those things that, you know, now I don't do it as much, but yeah. I do love playing guitar. I feel like we start playing an instrument or drawing or whatever it is, because as a weird preteen adolescent kid, there's <laughs> I was going to say there's many itches to scratch, which is just horrendous <laughs> on a number of levels, but fuck that. I'll stick with it. The, the, itch <laughs> that, it. The, the itch that was there was like, I don't know, music was doing it. And I feel yeah. like a lot of people around that age pick up instruments and it just does something. So it is satisfying yeah. something. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And at some point, it kind of trips over into kind of this double-edged sword, right? Yeah. And again, Rachel and I talked about this on the Sacral Chakra episode about like, you know, that's why you see a lot of wonderfully creative people that end up having these significant addiction issues, substance abuse issues. And, mm -hmm. the, you know, kind of the same thing bleeds into music to some extent. And in my head, it's like, yes. there's kind of a pure purpose when you start music. And at some point, for whatever reason, it kind of corrupts and it can go in the other direction. To use a topical reference, all the Lizzo stuff that's come out recently, right? Whether or not everything is true mm -hmm. about that, it would seem to be an indication of success and power and, you know, that inflation of ego yeah. going to someone's head. You know, Lizzo's an amazing musician. There's no doubt. Yeah about that and what she can do. Everyone knows an example of that, of, of a musician in the genre that they like who was amazing and then kind of went the wrong way, right? right? If you're a fan of rock music, you know about kind of the curse of the 27 and 28-year-olds, yeah. right? I, I'll bring that back to say, like, for me at least, I'm feeling very closed off, especially in the last year. And it is affecting my desire to want to play music, to want to get back into playing guitar because for some reason it feels like there's something that's closed off you're just um, a little blocked in there yeah yeah and and I, think, I think and, when when you have yeah. a lot of stuff that's happening in your personal life whether yeah. we've just mm -hmm. been hit with grief if you know me recently yep. with losing one of my best friends mm. parents going through a divorce i mean all of these things that just happen as part of life can cause blocks in a lot of these areas mm -hmm. and I said this when I taught a heart focused class the past couple of weeks you know it can be really painful 
to have a lot of heart opening. And I never really understood this when I was in my training. You know, I, we were learning camel and, and the teachers would always say, you know, this can be really painful for a lot of people. And I'm like, 20. You know, I'm like, what are you talking about? What do you mean? This isn't painful. I'm so flexible. This feels amazing. Who could ever feel pain unless you just have tight shoulders? Mm -hmm. Now I'm open and I can do back bends, no problem. But I was in a heart chakra class recently going through some of this stuff and I literally had to lay down on my stomach. I could not take one more pose of my chest opening. Mm -hmm. I actually couldn't. Mm -hmm. It happened in your class oh. after I had a miscarriage. I you were playing the bowl because Maria's sound bowl is oh an gosh, F, I, I believe, no right? Yeah, it's yeah, an it F, is the heart chakra. It's yeah. the heart chakra. I had to lay on my stomach. I could not handle it. And then when I took Sharina's beautiful and both of you beautiful heart opening classes, these are many months apart. So I took Sharina's heart opening class. And I don't know what happened before that, but I'm sure I can't keep track of the things <laughs> yeah. that keep happening this year. But I was in so much pain and I had to lay down on my stomach. And mm. I think it's normal to recognize and feel those things and know when your body just needs a moment to feel closed and to have a moment to reconnect back to yourself. Thanks for sharing that, Corey. I know yeah. it's not easy. Um, well, I don't, I don't mind sharing because I think in those moments where you're struggling with vulnerability or trust in yourself and your body or whatever, mm-hmm. You, at least for me, I, I look for people to connect with about yes. it because otherwise, yeah. what's the other option? I'm going to sit by myself exactly. in my bed. Yes. That's not conducive. No. And then if I maybe talk to somebody else, which is a connection, you might yeah. be helping someone else too. They might have a similar shared experience. Yes. There's a great book that Corey has told me about that I believe she read as part of her teacher training called The Body Keeps Score. Oh, yes. Mm. If that's interesting, you look that up. I think basically what I've taken away from it is that some reason the title body keeps score you know as a young 20 something right you're gonna say oh how could this be hard for people to do a camel pose like whatever right yeah you don't have kids you're not married like whatever how could that be hard and you get to be in your 30s right and some shit's gone down in your life and now you're carrying this stuff and you're like mm-hmm. oh wow that pigeon pose doesn't feel as good as it used to mm-hmm. oh why am i crying when someone plays that sound bowl we pick stuff up and we yeah, carry we keep, it that's what the whole book and we can share the information on the book yeah. is that your body remembers, your tissues remember, and it can be triggered by an event or by a series of events or just life. And Mm -hmm. yeah, we've had now 30, I mean, Joe and I are 30. I know Marie is a little bit younger, but (laughs) we've had 30 years of a lot of life experience. And Joe and I have not had easy childhoods and we haven't had easy adulthoods and that's okay and that's why we're such good partners because we connect with each other so well but the last couple years have been a little but that's the thing and that's life right but it's but it's being able to recognize that and then still being able to connect with those around you and then recognize when you need a moment Mm -hmm. for yourself as well yeah um before we wrap up and not to like end on a set i wanted to (laughs) it's interesting i wanted to come back to music for one more second because i thought it was interesting how the two of you are more of like outward facing musicians, soloists. I've always been in the background and music for mm-hmm. me has been like mm-hmm. my secret thing, not my outward facing thing. Yeah. And so it's always been a source of happiness for me. I know like, Joe, what's my, what did I say the other day? All I need <laughs> to sing once a year is Messiah. Is Messiah. Handel's <laughs> Messiah. That's all I need. I need to sing it once a year and I am fulfilled. My heart is happy. Yeah. I feel joy. And I love being in a sea of a hundred singers, you yeah. know? That's that's, awesome. that's what I love to do. But I, I 
we'll start to wrap up in a little bit. But Maria, I did want to come back to something you talked about at the very top. You said you've been off of social media recently. Yes. Um, yeah, it's um, it's been a year, yeah. but I yeah, had I, officially deleted my accounts uh, a few months ago. Can I ask you a couple questions about it? Of course. Cool. So about a year. Mm-hmm. Um, Just about. So what exactly did you do? And for everyone listening who's like, why is Joe interrogating Marie about this? <laughs> it's okay. a, I love talking about it. There's a purpose. I, I, there's an end goal in mind. So just stick with me. <laughs> so what exactly did you do? Did you actually delete all social media? Anything resembling social media? Gone. Yes. Yes. Okay. I do have um, one uh, Instagram, but it was like a private one that I yeah. I had like a my camera roll would like yeah. fill up. And I would post like <laughs> the most yeah. like benign things. When you did that and you mm. kind of got rid of everything, what other steps did you take? What other actions did you take? Did you like change how you used your phone? Did you like limit the types of uh, people who were allowed to call you or only answer texts at a certain time, only do emails? Did you do mm-hmm. anything else along those lines when you kind of said this you know, I'm I'm done with social media. Um, the texting and the calling was is pretty much the same. Um, yeah. but I took breaks. Like I'd be like, okay, today mm-hmm. I'm gonna go without. You know, maybe I'm okay. out doing something, and it was just kind of like one thing led to another. Yeah. I would go a week, two weeks, mm-hmm. couple weeks. I'd log on. It would really be nothing. Yeah. But I mean, before that, like even just like posting, I'm like, this just feels so not me. Yeah. And I got tired of that. Mm-hmm. I just got so sick of it. And yeah, then it was okay, I'm just I have the app deleted. And this is specifically Instagram. Like I had other apps but I never used them. Like I sure. I I used them but I I didn't, you know, I wasn't like active because mm-hmm. I had Instagram for yoga and for music. Mm-hmm. And then a few months ago, I was like it's been a really long time since I've even logged on. I've checked in a couple times just to see, but I'm like, I'm ready to just deactivate this and like they're completely gone. But I do have one Instagram. I I have friends like in Costa Rica and family in Italy. Mm -hmm. So I I like to have that outlet just in case, but I don't use it. Do you remember if there was like, you don't have to describe what it was. Was there like one triggering event where you were just like, that's it. Like I'm done. To deactivate? Yeah, was it like one thing where you were just like on the spot where like, I have to do this right now? Or was it Mm. more of a kind of gradual buildup where you were like, okay, I'm going to do this? Yeah, it was I guess was it it thought out or was it just kind of, you just kind of... Right, well, it it wasn't impulsive. Okay. Um, This had happened to me all the time where I'm like, oh, you know, breakup or, you know, friend drama i'm like i'm just gonna be off social media yeah you know um so that was always my like go-to you know unfollow block if something happens like Mm -hmm. what have you that was something that i always was good at but yeah it was gradual and i don't remember where i was but it was pretty calm i'm like you know what like i just want to let this go yeah. Let me just let this go. Let me deactivate it. I, you have to schedule the deactivation. It gives you a date. Mm-hmm. And I felt no need to be on it. And then the date had passed. And I'm like, oh my God, like I can't even log on to this even if I wanted to. And once that was done, because there's always the option to do, I know I, I want to deactivate the other one as well. But again, like I said, it's that portal for me for people who I 
can't really talk to. It's unfortunately necessary. Um, exactly. Yeah. Like it's it is still modern day. Um, yeah. <laughs> but I yeah I can't remember the last time I posted. Yeah. And once that's done, once the account is gone, people don't realize how freeing that feels. Because it's one thing to like, okay, I'm just gonna delete the app off mm-hmm. my phone yeah. and see how that feels. But once you like can't get back on, everything is gone. Like even just in that moment, life feels so much better and so much different in a good way, mm-hmm. you know? Well, I mean, I think, I mean, social media was created for connection, mm-hmm. right? Except <laughs> the problem is that it has turned into fake, not real connection. And yep. it can be so disheartening. And it is, yeah. Just brings up all those feelings of self-doubt, all those negative feelings yes, that you have, especially when you start to share something. Mm-hmm. Part of the reason that I'm asking this is that I've had a bad few months. It's mm-hmm. just just a range of reasons why. And part of it is that I always feel like I'm, I'm very available. It is very hard for me to say no to things mm-hmm. or when people reach out and need help for me to not help them. Um, it's it's like an impulse. I've had it for forever. Like it's just, I, I don't, I don't know what it is. I just, people ask for my help. I help them. Mm-hmm. Um, or I feel like someone presents a problem. It's like, I need to solve it. Like, let me take care of this for you. Right. And a couple days ago I had a situation that really, ju- it just frustrated me. I don't know whether it was valid or not, but my spur of the moment decision was to turn my phone off and put it in a drawer. Yeah. And I have not taken it out since. Wow. That's and that great. was on w- Wednesday. Was it Wednesday? Wow. Wednesday afternoon. I admire um, that. That's, you know, I, I would love to do that. I had talked about going phoneless yeah. and having a landline. And everyone's like, <laughs> what are you going to do when so, you're. Right. Okay. Well, Joe so, has so, an Apple so, yeah, so Watch. So 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 <laughs> yeah. So hold on. Let me, let me, <laughs> yeah, go for it. Go let for me it. clarify. So, um, Part of the reason I did it was because I have an Apple Watch. It has a cellular connection. So I knew turning my phone off and putting it in a drawer, if someone needed to contact me, I can still answer texts Mm. and send calls and do all that. I did it all day yesterday. We got directions. Oh, my God. We got directions to go see Small Ball. It was (laughs) absolutely amazing. Caitlin's. Oh, my God. Sorry, sorry, That's because Maria's not on social media. Oh, that's right. I'm sorry. (laughs) Small Ball is Caitlin's baby. We've been referring to Caitlin's. Caitlin's oh, that's baby. how Caitlin refers to her baby. Yes. Small Paul. Yes. We met Small Paul. For forever, it's been Small Paul. So we went to see Small Paul yesterday. But so what I would find is that I would go on my phone and I would have an intention to do something and then I'd end up doing something else, right? Which I think probably yes. literally every person listening mm-hmm. is like, uh-huh, yeah, I mm-hmm. know what you mean, yep. right? And I've been trying to fight that and figure that out and how do I get around that? And I've tried things and nothing's worked and... I was just like, I'm turning my phone off and putting it in a drawer. Yes. And I'm like, you know what? If I need to check the weather, I can still get directions. Mm-hmm. I can answer a text. I can add something to my account. Whatever it is, I can still do with the watch. And I just don't need the phone. And Corey can attest that I was a, uh, a much more enjoyable person yesterday than I am on average. Yeah. I yeah. think that the things that you both are talking about and and yeah. what we've been talking about this whole time is just at the end of the day, we're all on the same journey to our heart, to feeling connected to ourselves, to others, to being comfortable with being vulnerable with ourselves and with others. And when we have things in the way that block this, when we have things that show up, whether they're on social media or in our lives, that mm-hmm. that that make us doubt those things, yeah. 
our journey veers off when all we're trying to do is just get back to our heart. And so I think that I don't feel that way with social media, but that's just me and that's fine. And we can all feel whatever. And so I think what both of you are doing is helping you both Mm -hmm. on your journey right now. And I think that's amazing that you've been able to figure out something that you can change, right? You're just noticing the signs and symptoms of what you're feeling and you're changing things in in your life that are helping you get back to yourself and to your heart. And I think that's really the purpose of all the things we've talked about today. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Try putting your phone away. Right. Just, just yeah, try, I try have, putting um, away for a bit. I definitely um, have like my opinions on it, but yeah, it's neither here nor there. We all, we yeah. all have. Well, own. you can always ask Maria in class or <laughs> yeah. yeah, ask me what I feel about social media in person. Yeah. <laughs> if yeah. you if you are looking to get rid, yeah, of social media, come talk to me. Yeah. And I'll if be you, your pen and, pal. And if, you, if you ever see me, you can ask me the same, and I'll uh, I'll, I'll talk to you. I'll give you book recommendations, well, yeah. and I'll be and your the last pen pal. the last thing I'll say the last this will be a, a plug to the studio. The last thing I'll say is, right, there are other ways to connect with people. Yes. Mm-hmm. And the studio is a great way and a great example to have real in-person connections that you don't need to be on your phone for. You also would be amazed how much more you will enjoy watching a TV show mm. and connecting with some- and watching it with someone if you don't have your phone anywhere oh near you. Oh my gosh. Yes. Fun yes. fact. Agree. Last thing that I wanted to do. We kind of did this with Olivia, um, Mm. and I like closing out this way. So I wanted to ask everyone, myself included, because I know I have some good examples. Best concert moment in your Mm. life? We'll say you as an audience member, a performance that you've seen, something that really connected with you or was really amazing that you viewed, you consumed, and then best performance moment recording stage moments okay i have a couple if you guys want to think about yours i I got one i'll start okay concert moment this is um this is tough because i've seen a lot of really good ones the reason i thought about this is because i know i've not been to a ton of concerts in my life but i've been to some good ones and i know Corey is much more has been much more prolific in her concert attendance than I've been. Yes, I have been. Rattle off some some that you can I say Broadway? Can I do a Broadway yeah, of moment? That's, yes, <gasps> of course. Can I be honest? All right. I've seen yes, a lot but of you concerts. Have to, yes, but you have to rattle off some of the concerts that you've been to. I mean, Blink One Eighty Two, Ariana Grande, Sia. Ozfest, <laughs> Sia, Disturbed, In Sync, Backstreet Boys in <gasps> Shanghai. Yes, um, in Shanghai. <laughs> yes, um, that's for another day. Um, with that football player, No, no, no. Correct? I was alone. No? Oh, okay. In China. Um, <laughs> but it was in the same time. Okay, never mind. Corey has a lot of China stories. What else? Uh, Spice Girls. That was my first concert <gasps> when I was a kid. I've been to a lot of concerts. I love live music. Mm. Um, oh, Lady Gaga. That was a really good oh, one. That's right. Okay, best Broadway, Broadway moment was recent. Yep, I knew I, it. I knew it. I love Josh Groban more than anything. His vocals are beyond. I just love him. Joe's favorite musical his whole life has been Sweeney Todd. I actually hated it until March of this year. When I saw it with Josh Groban, I literally was sobbing. Yeah. Joe was looking at me and I this tears in my eyes when he started singing. I I could not handle it. Mm. It was like too much for my little heart. It was like overwhelming. Yeah. It was it Aww. was a it was a it was it a was moment. amazing. Yeah. 
My favorite performance moment was before COVID 2019, performing The Messiah, which I've performed, I believe, seven times. The Messiah is a piece usually performed at Christmas. It's many movements, it's many hours. Um, mm. It's played with a harpsichord and like a beautiful kind of um, orchestra. Anyways, mm-hmm. at the end, it's Worthy as the Lamb is the song. There is the last bit of this movement. The, I'm a soprano too, but the sopranos all sing together and we descend from this high A and I can't do that now, but it's like, ah, ah, and it just keeps going and it's this beautiful ah moment that builds mm. and we get to the point where the sopranos have the high A and we descend and my whole body mm. was in chills. The conductor was looking at us. I think she felt it. It was this, never felt this in my life. hundred people felt this one moment together. I still get chills thinking about it today. And it wasn't just us who felt it. The Providence Journal the next day wrote this article that was like, that was the most moving performance of Messiah. And I don't know what it was about it, but for some reason in that moment, every single person was just there. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, it was really beautiful. Come see me sing it in uh, December 10th this (laughs) year. I was going to say, I'm going to buy a ticket. Yeah. Yeah. We talked about that when I was yes. on social media. Yes. I'm like, I didn't know you said yes. I need to come see you. All right, go, Maria. You're next. Oh, so um, I have two as audience members, and they both have to do with a big red circle. Okay. <laughs> Just to tell you. Okay. First one was 2016 Boston Calling. Alabama Shakes was headlining. And I was like walking back to go get like a drink or something. And I turned around and the blood full moon was just like right above the mm. stage. Oh, wow. And Alabama Shakes is an amazing mm-hmm. band. The lead singer is phenomenal. Definitely one of the albums that like changed my life for sure. Mm. And I was going through a lot at the time too. And I, in that moment, I was just like, fuck, I have to change. <laughs> like I have to, I have to like get it together. Mm. And I think about that a lot. Um, That was like a really big moment for me. And then another one was recent. It was last year, last spring. My brother and I took my mom to see The Lion King on Broadway as like Mm. a Christmas gift. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we still had to like wear masks and stuff in there. It was like very strict. And there was just like a lot of like emotions around The Lion King because her mother took her when she was, you know, younger. And now I'm taking her. Mm. And I just remember, you know, we all know how The Lion King starts with the circle of life. When that first, you know, the chorus comes in with all the harmonies and all these costumes and animals and baby animals and they're lifting up this like big red sun. Mm -hmm. And I couldn't hold it in. I just started crying so much. I feel like I was releasing. I was so in love with life. I was so happy. I was so grateful. And then I look over at my mom and she is like, crying too and we looked at each other and we start like laughing and it was just one of those moments where like oh my gosh and like the circle of life is playing in the background and she's like I was thinking about my mother and how you took me and all this stuff and it's just like it really one of those moments where like you every time you think about it you're like oh my god life is just the best well my nana loved Josh Groban too and I feel like we always had it playing in her house and I feel like seeing him live it was just like oh my god Mm -hmm. Mm mm-hmm It gets to you. It gets to you. It really does. But it's those moments that I live for. Like, there is nothing better than something like that. Nothing. And for performing, that's actually a tough one. I'm going to be totally honest. I don't think I've had that yet. I've had 
moments that are very good. But it wasn't emotional. It was just because the performance was good and the audience was really liking it. You know, because I'm a lead singer. So I have that like all eyes on me a lot of the time. And the rush of performing is great. Um, But in terms of like, you know, that one moment, like my brain is just like going back and forth between like various times that I've had on stage. And yeah, I don't think I've had it yet of, of, you know, the big like full body experience of the emotions. Everyone's feeling the emotions, Mm -hmm. you know, maybe when I was in a musical, I played Oliver. (laughs) Wait, I totally (gasps) see this. (laughs) (laughs) And I did like, where is love? How did you wait 90 minutes to say this? I am. Yeah, I was about to say, put your hair up. Oh, my God. And um, Maria, I'm mind blown. I was like, wow. (laughs) I see it. Put a little hat on. A little scally cap and like. (laughs) Wow. And I spoke in a British accent. That's amazing. Um, I don't know why that came to me, but yeah, I think that was my one of my grandfather's, like one of his last times seeing me perform Mm. too. Um, Actually, that's a lie. When I played an open mic. Um, that was his last time. But yeah, I think in terms of like moving the audience, I think that was one of the moments because, you know, I'm just like this cute little kid yeah. playing like <laughs> this like sad boy, <laughs> like oh singing this song, you know? I love that. Wow. I've got, <laughs> this is tough for me. I think I'm going to, best concert moment, I'm going to save because I have a, quite literally life-changing concert experience coming up. I can't say it out loud. There's no reason. It's just if I say it, I'm going to melt into a puddle and have a panic attack. I hope Allie's listening. I hope. (laughs) Don't. mm -mm, No, no one. Just, no. I feel it welling up, so I'm just going to not talk about it. To this point in my life, as an audience member, I don't know, man, Broadway was tough. It's tough to top that. We saw Hamilton Mm. Not with the original cast, like six months after everyone left. But I mean, seeing that live was a pretty amazing moment. I did also get to see Van Halen when I was in high school. Uh, My dad bought me tickets as a surprise. And it was the, if anyone knows anything about Van Halen, it was the original Van Halen with David Lee Roth. Mm. Eddie Van Halen died a few years ago, but he was alive at the time. It was unbelievable, Mm. but soon to be topped very easily. So I'll save that one for after that happens. I'll talk about it. Best performance moment. Man, there's a lot. There's a lot of actual performances that I gave that kind of sprung to mind, but I'm really proud of the recordings that I've done. Mm. Um, Not of the ones of myself being recorded singing a song, there's a couple songs that I recorded for my acapella group when we were in college. During our senior week, we would like get spaces at the college. We'd set up a full-on recording studio in the basement of a gym using these practice rooms. We'd have one guy in a practice room with a mic and a, you know, just kind of standing there with headphones. And the other guy in the other room would have a computer and a driver and all that stuff. And we'd just be recording down there. There's a couple that I'm really, really proud of that if someone was like, what are you most proud of with music? I would put that out as opposed to like showing them a video of something that Mm. I sang. My favorite performance that I've seen you do was Come Sail Away. So I was going to say that that was my senior solo. Um, 
you know, you talked about like that kind of like pinnacle of like the emotion and the audience and just the whole thing. I mean, that was pretty damn close. Singing that song, one of my best friends arranged it for me to have everyone sing it a cappella. He like worked my last name into the sounds at the background guy. Like it was really, it was really amazing. Shout out to you. Also, Noah. completely let go and you were totally free in the moment. Yeah, and I really, think that was really but cool. But what I was gonna say from that show was actually that in the same show, I also sang Superstition. My entire mm. college career, my group would do. We would have the classics, just kind of anything that we would sing, and. um one of the songs we would do was Sign Sealed Delivered. And so I would always sing that. I kind of had this Stevie Wonder thing going on. And then we had Superstition arranged and we're going to do it for that show. Um, I auditioned for it and got it. That song felt more natural. That's, that is much more kind of my style yeah. of singing than anything else. So that kind of came yeah, to mind too. too. But um, I'm very proud of some of the recordings that I've done. None of myself, all of other people Search for the Midnight Ramblers on Spotify if you want to find something. But anyway, um, <laughs> um, let's. Oh, sorry, go ahead. I was going to say before we go, can you tell us where everyone can find your music? That's what I was. Okay, say. perfect. Uh, Laura, Laura on Spotify. Spell Laura, comma L A U R A. Perfect. Comma L A U R A. Is it a comma? Exclamation mark. Yes. Oh wow. Oh, comma exclamation mark. You could use a comma. Huh? Okay. Yeah, awesome. we don't use those enough. <laughs> no, I guess, I, guess, I guess not, no. And you have um, new music? New music coming, yes. I just recorded last week. I don't know when you guys are going to release this episode, but pretty much as soon as it's done, I'll, I'll put it out. We'll, we'll make sure to have links to everything. Yeah, yeah, um, for sure. Thank you so much for joining us. This was really... Thank you, guys. We covered a lot of stuff. This, yeah, this, this was, was really fun. Awesome. I want to like, yeah. keep talking. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Well, you got to go teach. So I know. Go, I gotta, yeah. What talk. time is it? Um, time for you to go. Yeah. Oh, right. is that right, what you're staring at me for? <laughs> yes. Okay, sorry. Oops. All right. Well, thanks for listening, everyone. Thanks, thanks. Thank you. Thanks for being thanks, here. Bye, guys. guys.